Welcome to the Asia Tech Podcast. I'm Gustavo Liu from the Asia Tech Podcast. And today I am joined by Kamil Torabuli. Um, did I spell your name right? Your last That's right. <laughs> you can pronounce it in French. It would sound like Torabuli. Oh, Torabuli. Torabuli is fine too. That sounds so much more romantic. <laughs> <laughs> so Kamil Torabuli yeah. from uh, Boca B. He's the co-founder and CEO yes. of this fantastic uh, e-learning app. So, um, Kamel. Nice to meet you, Gustavo. Welcome. Thanks for the opportunity to be here. Welcome. And um, I hope this is going to be an exciting conversation, Definitely. learning about languages yeah. and about the platform. So, um, yeah, let, I just wanted to get to know you yeah. you as um, as a founder. Um, how did you start this entire journey? Was this your first company or did you start a company before? It's uh, actually my first uh, startup. Uh, for me, the, the journey began uh, when I met my co-founder, uh, Andre, uh, mm -hmm. who is a uh, a software engineer since, I don't know, he probably learned how to walk and speak and then he started coding right after that. Oh, so, isn't that uh, exciting? Absolutely. Uh, um, so yeah, it started when I met Andre, who has been working basically in, on our core technology, uh, on natural language processing like for three years. Okay. And uh, I was introduced basically to Andre by a, a friend of mine, an angel investor, who believed pretty much in education and the power of reading, of literacy to develop basically... Uh, Critical thinking. And obviously with and thinking, language uh, learning, you absolutely. have to have this continuous sort of uh, machine learning and certain degree of um, continuous feedback loop to understand how you know people engage with each other. That's right. And I felt a connection directly uh, with Andre uh, as a person, but also with the, with the product itself because my parents uh, are English teachers. I mean, my, my mother. And my father is a writer. So uh, when I saw that project, I've always wanted to work for a tech startup. It was like, wow, yeah. I think it's the moment to, to take that leap and, uh, and, and try to do something meaningful and make a difference and, and try the startup journey. Absolutely. Yeah. And your native language is actually French. That's right. That right. That's right. That's right. So my, my parents uh, migrated from Mauritius, mm -hmm. uh, which is a, you know, English speaking country, but it used to be also a French colony, right? Oh my God. Mauritius is such a beautiful island. Paradise Island. I would, uh, I would definitely encourage everyone to, uh, you know, spend a holiday there. Yeah. It's definitely a honeymoon destination, but there's so many things to do, right? Yeah. And it's also a financial international business center as that's well. That's right. A lot of uh, offshoring, uh, obviously it's famous for tourism, for, uh, for offshoring. Mm -hmm. a lot of call centers as well and also uh, a few uh, R&D centers uh, we got like um, Indian tech companies oh, yeah. who place some of their R&D labs in, uh, in Mauritius and it's always been a hub a platform between Asia and Africa so uh, yeah. I would say that's to an extent Mauritius is the Singapore of Africa yeah and, uh, and actually um, I used to work in finance my previous life yeah. and we looked into Mauritius structures and looked at it. It's sort of like a very well-known center for setting up operations there. And historically, Mauritius, historically, Mauritius is actually well-known for um, Indian tr um, sort of silk and, uh, and exports of spices that's into right. Africa, right? That's right, that's right. So a lot of uh, sugarcane actually a business. That's, that was like the main purpose of, uh, of Mauritius. Yeah. Uh, so set up by, uh, by the French settlers and, uh, and by, the, by the British. But also trade. It's always been like about trade. That right, and that is where economy booms because of the that's right. whole trade. That's right. That's right. So we uh, we were the key to the Indian Ocean. That's that's how we. Uh, I mean, that was like a strategic position of Mauritius always. Did you grow up in Mauritius or in France? So I was born and raised uh, in France. So okay. uh, I'm originally from uh, Lyon. 
Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, as a kid, I would go back like every year for summer holiday. Uh, so spend time with, uh, you know, with family awesome. uh, in Mauritius. And uh, I love the ocean. So like diving, fishing, the nature is yeah. is absolutely gorgeous. So like trekking through the forest, everything. Yeah, so I have like a very deep connection with uh, with the nature, with the island, uh, its people as well. Uh, yeah. Very diverse. So you have like that blend of like Indian, Chinese, yeah. Black Africans, uh, Europeans. Uh, it's a rainbow nation. We all live together in peace, in harmony. Uh, it's a democracy. Uh, it's thriving. Uh, it's it's amazing. Awesome, yeah. awesome. Um, and so, I mean, going back to your um your why, right? Which yeah. is essentially languages. You said that your parents were English um, teachers. Yes. But then they, as an, you grew up as a French um, speaker. That's right. And so, what was that? How did that evolve into your current business? So, um, I had that fascination for language teaching forever because I saw my parents uh, doing this. Yeah. And um, out of like personal interest, I started uh, like teaching French actually as a as a language tutor. Okay. And uh, when I saw the project, I was so interested to see how I could uh, experiment on my own uh, doing language tutoring and working with my co-founder, Andre, see how we could like develop new NL- uh, NLP tools and techniques and some AI to basically boost the language skills, the literacy skills of, uh, of language learners. So it was really that, uh, that core, uh, that curiosity at the beginning. Yeah. So really experimenting, uh, developing new things with Andre that pushed me to get out there, uh, become like a, a more intense, uh, intensively involved language tutor, yeah. but also uh, doing a lot of research, showing uh, or prototype to English teachers. Okay. So in that initial stage of like research with Andre, I spent a lot of time also interviewing, uh, doing in-depth interviews of teachers, so what showing is, the prototype. Yeah. What are some of the biggest challenges that uh, you found when you were interviewing English teachers um, and as well as students that yeah. were trying to learn English? Well, um, I would say that the, the school space is quite conservative. So everything is still happening uh, on paper. Yeah. So uh, it's true that some of the teachers, they will still stick to the traditional uh, methods uh, and, mm-hmm. uh, and all ways of, of teaching. Yeah. So it's always difficult to find those uh, early adopters or innovators, you know, at the beginning of the cycle who would be like open enough to see, okay, uh, I'm open to try like digital tools and see how this could like boost the learning of my students. Yeah. So you would need to talk to a lot of teachers before you find like those rare gems of like uh, teachers who get super excited about you, about uh, the potential of your tech, of your product, and try it with the students and be um, uh, supportive uh, and give a lot of feedback and also help you iterate and come up with new ideas. Yeah. Yeah. Well, actually, um, from a personal point of view, yeah. I remember as a kid when yeah. I was learning English, yeah. and even though I, I spoke um, Spanish and Brazilian Portuguese yeah. as a Latin language and English was one that if you didn't if you didn't grow up yeah. in a in a region where or you didn't live in a region where people spoke English, yeah. it's actually quite difficult to that's learn. Right. That's right, that's right. But I can tell you about France, for instance, like the yeah. way it started in uh, in high school uh, and then in university. Um, I think um, the teaching is um, is very rigid. Yeah, you don't get enough uh, practice, and all of the content, the materials are like outdated, so it's extremely boring, right? 
So that's why uh, I think in a lot of uh, Latin countries, uh, yeah. we have that very old school uh, approach of like teaching language. Mm -hmm. And that's why I think uh, when you come out of the school system, uh, your proficiency level is actually quite low. Yeah. So um, and that is lat. If your origin was Latin languages, yeah. if your origin was Chinese or Japanese or Korean, yeah. trying to learn English yeah. is even more difficult. It's right? even more difficult. Yeah, mm -hmm. and uh, it's interesting, you know, because uh, a language will also shape the way you think. You know, it, it shaped your your view of the world, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and uh, I think that's one of the things that is like like most fascinating for me when you learn a new language. Then you also you can connect so much more with like other ways of thinking yeah. over other cultures and you start to uh, have more angles, you know, in the and way you actually, can approach one problem, right? I love this point because it's about the depth of your understanding and the interpretation right. of, the, of that particular language yeah. and particularly English, depending on what region you actually learned. Yeah. Like say, if you learned English in UK yeah. versus if you learned it in Jamaica, right? Yeah. It would be a very different sort of um, understanding in terms of culture and definitely. Um, meaning. Definitely, like the words you would use, the how you would, uh, you would use the language, like what, what song you would sing, right? You yeah. Know, that's, that's, that's so, so different. And uh, in my case, uh, you know, practicing English, uh, so moving out of like France and coming to Asia, I've actually, you know, learned English like through that mix of like American, uh, British people and Asians. So ultimately, yeah. that's that's the beauty of English now. It and feels then, like it's everyone's language, right? And then there's like Singaporean English, <laughs> which true. is kind of like it's 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 a little bit mixed with other sort of uh, dialects, but at the same time, it's just rich with a lot of um, different type of um, uh, history. That's right. Great. And um, so how was, um, I mean, you met Andre, yeah. right? And coming back to like how you and Andre decided to form a company. Yeah. Um, when did that start? And, and you know, where did you guys start developing the technology first and uh, testing it out? Because you went surveying, asking teachers. Um, at what point did you say, right, let's put, get together and like, make this a business so uh, it really um started from andre creating our first mvp okay so he uh, he was the first one who initiated that thing with that first prototype um he spent like a year a year building the tech so he started off, uh, as a like a hobby project and then he decided to work like full time on it and andre is um has i mean he's a techie so he's, yeah. i have like a super strong uh, tech muscle yeah. And he needed a he needed a hustler, you know, to yeah. do uh, to do the rest, like find the product market fit, do a lot of uh, user research. So it was kind of a match made in heaven, you know. When we met, it was like, okay, you know, I yeah. think there's so many things we can do together. Yeah. And uh, and and it really it really took off from there. So I met Andre, and then uh, uh, he incorporated the startup in uh, in Singapore. Okay. And for me, I was working in Bangkok, and he's based in Bangkok. For me, it was like the perfect opportunity to move here. So you guys met in Bangkok. We met in Bangkok, and then I decided to move here to basically develop the startup and do a lot more research because I knew that that was the place to be here in Southeast Asia to develop a startup. Yeah. And after like spending four years in Bangkok, I felt like I needed a new challenge and that was exactly what I needed. Well, Bangkok is also has a thriving startup ecosystem. I think there's a lot of um, sort of innovation happening out of there because of yeah. some of the necessities in that, in that region, right? That's right. Uh, I think there is a... Like a, a, there is like a booming uh, ecosystem in uh, in Bangkok. Mm -hmm. uh, what I would say is that the, the ecosystem is a lot more mature here in Singapore. Ah, uh, yeah. 
So you would meet uh, like founders, entrepreneurs with... Uh, Why do you think that is? I think it probably starts from like the the government itself, you know? Okay. I think... Uh, so the, the support, right? That's right. It's, it's like it's really about building this infrastructure mm -hmm. and bringing talents, you know? Yeah. So uh, I think that's that's one thing in uh, in Singapore. You have talents uh, coming from, you know, Silicon Valley, yeah. from Europe, uh, from absolutely everywhere. So you have the infrastructure, you have talents, mm -hmm. and, you know, it's, it's the perfect path. It's interesting because... Vocabi, when I first read, sort of, I, I got familiar with, with the platform. Yeah. I, my assumption was that since you started in Bangkok yeah. and Thailand, Thai people yeah. learning English, yeah. that, the, that was a necessity because Singapore, English was, uh, is our primary language. Yeah. And so studying a technology company, but the fact that you mentioned that because of the infrastructure and the That's ecosystem, right. That is really very important uh, to make sure that the startup actually is, comes together. It, it's, it's critical, you know. If you're isolated as an entrepreneur, as a founder, if you don't think, if you don't meet the right people who are um, willing yeah. know, to support you in that journey, uh, you die alone. Yeah. And I think Singapore does a very good job, you know, at providing this environment and getting support, you know. And, and for us, uh, what really made the difference is uh, getting into uh, a Muridi uh, acceleration program. Yeah. Um, because like we got a, a space for ourselves there. Uh, we got like a very high level training. We got uh, mentorship and connection with other founders. So it really became like a family. Yeah. And yeah, it was fantastic, you know. Nice. Yeah. I mean, it, the acceleration programs, yep. uh, incubation programs yep. are really important to the ecosystem. Definitely. Because they, support you with all of the resources that you need. That's right. And thereafter, you know, get introduced to um, strategic partners Absolutely. and, and um, investors. Yeah, yeah. Um, let, let's just refer a little bit yeah. to your deck. Yeah. Um, let me take a look. Okay, so basically your the problem that you are trying to solve, could you just talk to us a little bit about this slide? Yeah, for sure. Um, well, we, we spend a lot of time reading on screen, right? Mm -hmm. It's... Uh, uh, coming from other smartphones or, or tablets and or laptops, right? So yep. hours and hours. And uh, even though um, you might have like a good level of English, you would always meet words that you don't understand. Yeah. And when you skip them. Even native speakers. Even native speakers, right? Yep. And when you miss those words, uh, this is where you miss the chance, you know, to uh, to improve your vocabulary and, and get better literacy skills. So for us, we were thinking like, what if you could capture all of those words? What if you could get live, live information when you don't understand something that's on your screen like instantly? And what if we could create basically personalized tests so that all of those words that you always keep that never get to your brain, yeah. you can find a way to make you smarter without changing basically your habits, right? So that's basically So that is where the AI comes in, right? That's correct. That's correct. And the AI, uh, can you talk to us a little bit about how the AI works? Yeah, for sure. So uh, our... Our AI would basically process whatever text that you're reading. Mm -hmm. And it would categorize words by difficulty level. So we use like an international uh, framework called CFR okay. to categorize those words. And for every word, we automatically create a set of exercises for you. Mm -hmm. So we use a statistical model to create like bite-sized learning program for you to memorize the words that are the most important for you to make progress. Okay. Yeah. 
And then it would have a continuous feedback Absolutely. loop with the user. Is that how it? Um, That's correct. So you know uh, we use like space repetition models. Yeah. So like the words will come back like several times using like different questions that we produce automatically with our AI, and then we follow your progress. When you get to know a word because you've passed, you know, a question covering uh, that word like several times, that means okay, uh, you you familiarize with that. With and then as you keep reading more, you keep clicking on more words, then you feed basically your personal bank of words and you keep you know uh, learning as you naturally read as you naturally work on your laptop on your smartphone on your, on your tablet and then it would just sort of keep appearing so that it would right. remind you of that of that particular word that's correct okay and how does it actually beyond like the reading aspect how does it how else does it engage the the user or is it mainly for reading so it's it really starts from that reading um, aspect right yeah uh, that's how you build like literacy skill. Yeah. Uh, then in terms of exercises that we generate for you, uh, they're also kind of uh, listening exercises. So okay. like we uh, we have like the text-to-speech technology. Mm -hmm. So a word that you would not understand, you would listen to it and then you will have to, to type it properly, right? Right. Uh, so you have also... Um, so word knowledge, so using definition with multiple uh, options. Mm -hmm. In the future, we also want to improve pronunciation skills. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So maybe the system will be able to capture your, your voice. pronunciation right. and then and tell feedback you, that's right. to you, right? Yeah. Um, and the global size on this particular slide, yeah. you identify as um, 56 billion. That's right. Wow. So that's um, uh, information com coming from uh, Ambient Insights. So that's the global language learning market. Mm -hmm. I think um, by uh, 2020, actually, there will okay. be 2 billion English language learners, according to the British Council. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's a massive opportunity because technically everyone could use the tool to get better at like reading and writing. Absolutely. Yeah. And can I just like, because English demand, demand for speaking English, yeah. there's, it comes in different type of groups, right? That's right. Because you've got the children that are or children or people who don't speak english that's and right. just simply learning to travel overseas or right. be able to use it right yeah and then you've got um the other group that are professional groups that that's are right. learning like say financial terms or that's right um very technical legal terms right. or computer like te you know so, some sort of like subject spe specific terms yeah so how does the your system is it able to capture individually like all of those different type of needs so what we are tackling with um, as a target group would be um, learners mm -hmm. who have reached a pre-intermediate or intermediate literacy skill level. Yeah. So that means they have uh, acquired enough words to read, but they need to get to the next level to advance basically their um, lexicon, right? Yeah. And get to higher levels of, uh, of fluency. So before you're able to speak, you know, in a more sophisticated way, you need to memorize all of those words. So this is where we come in. And okay. it's a huge market. So English language learners who would have that intermediate level in uh, countries where English is the first language, that would be uh, students in uh, primary and secondary school. Yeah. Uh, and for non-native speakers, they could really be anywhere, even like in uh, universities, right? Yeah. And it could also be like knowledge workers, uh, you know, coming out of universities and like having a kind of like average level of English. And when, as you mentioned, they read, the, you know, their contracts or like emails coming from like people working, you know, from the UK or America, yeah. they will not be able to understand it. Then they would use our, our, our tool basically to understand 
uh, everything and, and fill those gaps. What I found is that, I mean, previously working yeah. for um, financial institutions, yeah. I realized that a lot of, um, say, bankers that yeah. were coming from um, Thailand, China, yeah. Yeah. Philippines, yeah. They, in order to be able to uh, communicate those yeah. technical financial terms, yes. um, and a lot of the terms were very specific, right? right? With right. the financial jargons and all yeah. of that. Um, you literally had a dictionary just for financial purposes. That's right. And the same thing would apply for medical, right. and the same thing would apply for lawyers. Yes. And so I can see why a sort of cell machine learning and AI sort of um, application would right. be very useful. Yeah especially for professionals that can manage their time. Definitely. Right? Absolutely. You've got time constraint, you've got um, space constraint yeah. because you might not be able to, and or sometimes you're trapped in the airplane and you just want to be able to like practice before you Absolutely. go to the next meeting. Absolutely. You are, you know, uh, in the subway or you're in the plane and then you have all of those words and, you know, if you don't find a way to learn them, then for sure you're not going to make any progress, right? I remember yeah. when I was learning English as yeah. a child, yeah. one of the reasons why I, I it was so convenient to just yeah. drop off is because of yeah. that sort of having to meet my tutor and having to arrange for a That's common right. time. That's right. And over time, I think everybody kind of just like fades apart. Yeah, it's very painful, you know, as a, as a learner to capture every single word. If you have to make it manually, that means you need to have the notebook and then write the definition yourself. Uh, yeah. Nobody wants to do that. Absolutely. Yeah. So is that where your sort of next tier of, um, of, of model or is, is to capture the sort of professional market? That's right. I mean, we uh, will definitely target uh, professionals, those knowledge workers, like those self-learners, right? And uh, definitely those students in a tertiary environment and also in secondary school. Yeah. yeah. I noticed there was a, a, a page on your um, slide that yeah. talks about the various phases that you um, were referring to. What what are these phases? So this uh, this phase was actually is, is our pilot phase. So that's uh, validating our, our proof of concept. Okay. We, so uh, you're using French to English, right? Uh, French speakers to learn English. Uh, learn English. So uh, we've um, done an innovation partnership with the French school here in Singapore. So okay. I got the chance basically to develop a web application for teachers and students. And that's really how we managed to build our core technology with the AI that creates the exercises, that automates marking, that tracks the, the progress, right? Is there like a gamification aspect to it as well? Yeah, or definitely. how do you engage students? So definitely uh, it's like uh, getting collecting points uh, and, and badges and have, putting a little bit of competition with the, uh, with the other you know, school uh, schoolmates. So that's one element of, uh, of motivation that's, uh, that's important. And obviously, uh, you know, you have a teacher and- you It know, has to be enforced by the teacher. Yeah, but okay. also you can also process your own uh, your own documents. So beyond just what uh, your English teacher is giving to you, you would certainly have like um, other subjects like humanities uh, taught in English that you might not understand, and you can also process like whatever document coming from other suggests on our platform as well. Yeah, and yeah. Singapore obviously is a great testing case, Definitely. right? It's the perfect lab. Because you've got like a small group of like uh, French students it isn't like so big that you can manage. And then with any sort of iteration that is required, right. you can you can get feedback very fast. Super quickly. And uh, we, we also uh, tested other groups. Um, so working with um, Stanford American School. Okay. Uh, the Australian school in Singapore, but also in Malaysia, yeah, and uh, in Lingua. So yeah, it's a 
big, very big language center as well. So we we also tested with uh, Chinese, Japanese uh, learners as well. Yeah. So uh, yeah, we we covered basically quite a wide uh, spectrum of like language learners. Yeah. So right now the actual platform can, regardless of what language yeah. you speak, you yeah. can actually go up and learn English on Chubvokabi. That's right. So uh, the web application that we have developed was really kind of like in-house, like working with the school and the language centers. Okay. And now we're opening this up to any self-learner. Okay, Yeah. great. And what would be the phase two like? So phase two is actually this, uh, this opening uh, to self-learner because now that we have developed our tech, our product uh, with the school, and we have uh, validated our proof of concept because the teachers use it, the students love to use it as well. We are ready to basically activate that self-learning mode where you can take whatever document that you want and basically learn on your own. So moving out from the web application that we have created, what we are developing is is a cross-device basically solution where we will create also like a web plugin. So you are on Chrome, you're browsing as usual. You would be able to get live information using that plugin and capture all of the words through that. And also uh, your quizzes or like things that you would ring normally on your smartphone, you'll be able to do that as well when you're on the go. Okay. Yeah. Are you also, actually, one of the interesting thing about uh, yeah. machine learning platforms is that right. you will also be collecting a lot of data on the pro- right. progress. And this is, is, is it live on the cloud or um, does, how does it work? Is, is it offline or, or online? It's, uh, it's all on the cloud. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And uh, definitely we capture a lot of uh, content uh, and user data. So uh, we can like categorize, I mean, we can create different clusters of users and see like the different din- dynamics, also depending on their demographics, right? Like if yeah. it's a group of French learners, that's their mother tongue, we can capture that. So we can know that for French learners, like uh, for French speakers, like this set of words is super difficult. So maybe they will need to learn those words as a top priority, yeah. but it's going to be different for Chinese people and for Japanese. Or like older generations that's, versus like younger right. generation that's true would the ai be able to sort of in the future i mean i know now you're still on the data collection process yeah. but i would imagine that it would be so customized that it will follow the little literally the pathway of what every individual challenges are, are that's sort of true facing. absolutely as we train the ai basically the, the personalized training programs that we generate with AI will get more and more accurate. Right. So that's one part on like the um, your the uh, neural quizzes that you that we're building. Also, what we um, what we are doing is collecting all of the content, all of the study sets that are created by the teachers. Yeah. And we want to create a shared library where like learners can also pick that, and also our AI by capturing the profile of the learners would be able to assign like the most relevant study sets for you as well. This this is actually goes falls back down to exactly what we talk about, like the AI. A lot of people, I think, fear that. AI are going to replace humans and how, you know, in the future, like teachers should fear their job. Um, But actually that is not true. Is the actual fact is that it will enable teachers to do more meaningful. That's right. Right. More meaningful roles and and be more effective at what they do. Yes. Because right now teachers from a human capacity, when they're teaching the student, especially in big classrooms, you have very little um, ability to assess students. Right. So one example that I like to do, and I I, I use it for medical um, doctor purposes, but like I would say the same thing for students. Would it be reasonable for me to expect my English teacher to know all the curriculums for (laughs) learning the best curriculum teacher, like solutions 
experience for learning English yeah. in the world. Yeah. No. Yeah. But I would expect my teacher to empathize with me, my difficulty of learning this language right. and how, you know, if I'm having a bad day yeah. or I'm having a good day and for her to be assisted yeah. or him to be assisted yeah. by a actual um, platform that would give the or assist, assistant that would enable all of those kind of knowledge. That's that's true. Basically, you know, uh, a teacher who, who uses vocabulary is a teacher uh, on steroid, you know, because we, we take away a lot of their uh, boring job, which is like, um, auto, I mean, marking, marking student work or repeating like the same word again and again until like the, the students memorize it. Yeah. Um, and uh, developing... I'm repeating, I mean, not just marking, but yeah. also like um, even after you taught it, yeah. a lot of students have figured out how to just pass the exam. Yeah. For the sake of passing the exam. Yeah. But then when it comes down to really going to that particular country and speaking that language, That's they right. completely lost. That's right. And also it's, it's that angle of uh, empowering. So obviously teachers with a tool that does a lot of work for them. Mm -hmm. But developing that tech with the schools, we also empowering the students to learn more on their own with content that they also enjoy reading on their own, you know, without being pushed by the teacher. So it's also, as a teacher, you have that role of like... Um, um, pushing the students to read yeah. because it's, it's something that might be un unpleasant for some of the students. Yeah. Uh, and when you ingrain that, when you instigate that, that habit, when it, you install this, then a students would read on their own and get smarter just because they have developed that habit of reading for their own pleasure, right? But and also that interest, right? That's right. Um, to, to ingrain that interest. Yeah. So um, I just want to talk a little bit about your revenue model. So you, you um, how does the revenue model work? So in the, in the pilot phase, focusing on our proof of concept, uh, for us, what was important as a milestone is getting the school to start to pay for yeah. our application. Yeah. So which is what we have successfully done. So we are starting uh, to charge teachers who are using our application. So now we have uh, yeah, 12 teachers who have paid for it. So through their schools and we... Uh, a, a thousand students are using vocabulary now. Are you also collecting data from the teacher's point of view to see whether the outcome of the, you know, the what they've observed of the student as compared to without the technology? Yeah, so we've basically run a lot of tests, uh, especially at the French school, mm -hmm. where I was able to measure like the difference in uh, vocabulary uptake between the students who would just read on paper yeah. and the students using vocabulary and then submitting like the same uh, vocabulary quiz. And what we noticed is that the students using vocabulary had a higher score by at least 22%. So that's good. Wow. Yeah. So during your beta test yeah. process, you are actually um, deploying it to a, a broader student base. And, that's right. And doing random selection process and yeah. looking at whether the, yeah. the improvement has. Absolutely. By how much is it does it, do they improve in terms of time and efficiency learning English? So we uh, we estimate uh, that in that process of like collecting words and memorizing, there's at least like fifty percent of time on literacy skills. Oh wow, yeah. fifty percent yeah. of the time. Yeah, that yeah. means that if I normally take, um, say for example, uh, three months to remember a particular um, sort of um, word, well, a, a series of of um, of content, I actually using your system uh, in just half of that time yeah it's really like on if you you think think about yourself back at school right yeah writing down every single word manually and then getting back to it and creating your own flashcards and doing all of this right and if, that is if you don't lose the flashcards <laughs> that's right <laughs>
then you have to rewrite everything again. Okay? That's true. So yeah, really like, yeah, put put yourself in that situation and see that we automate all of this. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Um, and you, uh, was, uh, you are the beta stage. So you, is, are you raising now your pre-seed or your seed? We're raising our seed now your because zero, the okay. beta is ready. We're finalizing uh, a web application for students and we're raising our seed basically uh, to create our, our mobile application mm -hmm. and our web plugin to be able to sell it to any self-learner out there. Okay. Yeah. And you've raised part of that. Um, so you're looking to close your round um, by this year? So we basically, uh, we close our pre-seed. Okay. So now we're opening the seed now. Oh, yeah. you just opened the seed. That's okay. right. Awesome. Yeah. And you're raising it, where are you raising it? Here in Singapore? Or yep. Outside so of Singapore? Uh, we've, uh, we've talking to angels uh, here. Uh, we've also started to talk with, uh, with VCs. Okay. So yeah, definitely, you know, if uh, anybody out there is interested in education, uh, yeah. yeah. Very happy to uh, to talk more. Yeah. Edutech has become a very um, sort of focus on a lot of Asian countries. Yes. I was actually at a panel in, um, in the, back in the US. Yep. And um, there was one of the guys that was also a founder and he raised his hand and said, why aren't VCs here um, investing in Edutech? Yep. And the answer from the panel, yep. uh, which was formed by angel investors and uh, all of the sort of um, lawyers and um, angel uh, VCs, yep. they, they're general feedback was that it, there was no um, the expectation there was no like 10 times return there was yeah. no sort of 20 100 times returns yeah. as compared to like the more sexy stuff like AI pure AI or yeah. like um, blockchain yeah. or all of the other technology yeah. but actually um, later on after the event I pulled him aside and I said yeah. look you are in the US so yeah. edutech might be a sort of less sort of um, invested area yeah. but in Asia yeah. it's a completely different story yeah. because in, in places like China for yeah. example yeah. where there's a huge demand yeah. for quality learning especially yeah. language learning right, right? As, right. as the government starts to push um, talent out of um, to, into international worlds right. um, in Singapore yeah. places like Taiwan Japan yeah. Yeah. language learning is actually quite a yeah. high um, well education Education in general is a is a very big focus. Definitely, definitely. I think uh, it's about finding the the right business model. Yeah. Uh, when you work in education, what you what we hear, and I think it's probably true, is like you have to uh, basically sell your solution directly to the learners themselves. Yeah. Or if you are talking to you're targeting younger learners, you have to target the parents, right? Yeah. Because this is where the money is. So that's the big challenge in education. If you want to monetize and grow revenue uh, rapidly, yeah. you need to get to those channels and get money directly from those users. And I actually think the, the real money, I mean, a lot of people when they're doing edutech, they mm. look at like, oh my God, I'm going to go and target all of the sort of students, right? Yeah. And this yeah. is such a huge market. Yeah. But what they're missing out yeah. is the fact that the later stage learners, yeah. those are the people that, that have been working and have the yeah. money to pay for it. That's right. And so they would actually want to upgrade themselves. So it doesn't just stop, stop a language. Right. It actually goes to certification. It goes to yeah. all of the different type of um, uh, platforms, right. like finance, for example. People yeah. get certification, right. legal legal aspect yep. of it as well. Yeah, 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 definitely. So there's uh, there's potential in that uh, knowledge worker space. Yeah, uh, and and tertiary students who would be able to afford it on the on their own. What we also think uh, has a lot of potential is like also selling like family pack, you know, because. You, let's say, as a knowledge worker uh, in uh, Japan, for instance, you know that uh, your English level is kind of intermediate, but you would like your children probably to start younger. 
or your and parents. Use the same tool. Yeah, or your, even your parents, right? So you would buy that family pack for the entire family, and everybody would kind of use like Vocabi uh, with the plugin, the extension, and kind of compare results as well. And you kind of create that internal um, ecosystem, right? Because if instead of having to fly you as a child to like UK, for example, to mm -hmm. learn English. Yeah. If the whole family starts to practice together, yeah, it, and and parents and oftentimes children learn faster when the parents are actually uh, they are involved in the speaking. process for sure, yeah. yeah, for sure. And I mean that's that's the job, you know, as a parent, that's what you're supposed to do as well, right? Yeah, yeah, you have to show the example. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And so you are um, a 500k is a one market cap. Would that be be at? So it's at a 2.2 million dollar uh, valuation. Okay. Um, and uh, yeah, we use SafeNote uh, as Moridi startups. That's something that. Uh, um, yeah, that we use as as a standard. Yeah. Okay. And I suppose that like a huge portion of it will be going on the development of tech, buying sure. the softwares and you know on the sort of quantum computing sort of space using you know all that cloud space or the all the storage and all of that yeah. for the data, right? That that part is pretty much uh, is is quite well in place. Uh, for us, it's really about creating the the cross device experience, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, enabling you. Uh, with the web plugin to just like have that natural experience of like just doing your normal thing yeah, and be able to capture absolutely anything, right? And also on your smartphone and providing that convenience of being able to learn and practice with the test absolutely anywhere on the plane, uh, you know, uh, taking the subway, everything. So you, you, you would be able to capture words from like whatever screen and you'd be able to learn from anywhere. Maybe in the future use different type of wearables like VR or uh, AR or so, <laughs> so one of those kind of like hardware devices to make it more sort of real. It, it might feel like you're like now in the UK as opposed to like, and you're standing in Mauritius, but then you're like, if you're wearing this VR device and look like you're interacting with English speakers. Yeah, that, yeah that, that, that'd be great. Or even like you're looking at a room and then you see objects and then you see the words popping up, you know, uh, and then you would just like learn just that by walking in like virtual space or having conversations, right? Yeah, yeah it yeah. just feels like you're traveling without actually physically yes. traveling. So I have one more question for you before we end this conversation. It's been an absolute um, fun talking about languages. Thanks. One of my biggest passions. Yeah. Um, how can our listeners who and it's in, be it investors or people who might want to understand, find out more about Wokavi yeah. um, reach out to you? Yeah, so uh, but definitely you can uh, have a look at our website and, and uh, reach out to me directly. You know, I'm always happy uh, if you're in Singapore. I'm also traveling quite frequently to uh, Kuala Lumpur uh, and Bangkok to uh, to grab coffee and have that uh, you know direct conversation uh, with uh, with you as investors or if you also work in the education space and you think that it could make a difference wherever yep. you work or even for your children, very happy to have that current that direct conversation with you definitely. Wonderful, thank you very much, Camille. Thanks, Gustavo. It's been a total. Um, it's been wonderful talking to you. The pleasure was um, all mine. Thanks. And this is a wrap. This is the Asia Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Gustavo Liu.